You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. Socks in the basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans. Remember, when you mention socks in the basement to the folks over at Family Waterproofing Solutions, our proud sponsors, you get money off. They are available 24-7, 365. Give them a call for anything that you need to keep water away from your home. One of the things that I learned the other day, Ed, when I talked to Ken Kirchner, I saw him at the White Sox game, uh, the big, long, extra-inning game in which at the end of it, all that was left were retirees, folks that run their own podcast, and degenerates. And I love the degenerates, but like, who stays up on a Tuesday night <laughs> until like almost midnight to watch that ridiculous game? I love each and every one of you that were still in the ballpark. Ken was in the ballpark, and we talked over at Cork and Carry at the park, and he was telling me that uh, right now, now is the best time to fix those uh, concrete issues around the house, the patio, the sidewalk. That's the foundation moving around. They can level that all out for you and shore everything up. And the best time of the year to do it is right here in the middle of the summer. Call 24-7-708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. That game was ridiculous on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, that one in particular, I think will go down as one of those games where we're kind of talking about it for a while as far as how, you know, the, the back and forth and everything that went on. And also, I mean, nice to see Josh Harrison, you know, showing up finally. It's it's June. It's about time to start playing the game. But you can have a game like that kind of help build your season. But, you know, at the same time, that's also a game that there's part of me that kind of wishes it hadn't been quite that exciting and that we had had, you know, much more, just a much cleaner version of it. You say exciting, I say uh, heartburn-inducing because that game, uh, that game wasn't fun for me at the end. You know, like, I, I'm sure that people will remember it as fun, but I know during the game, I was just frustrated watching it. Like, they had so many opportunities to win that game that they blew they had so many opportunities to put that team down that they didn't. It, there were there were just so many things that were annoying about it. And at the very end, I was sitting there with my dad and we we're trying to figure out, are we going to stick around for another inning? And we had made the decision that no, we were not. And right after we, we said that to each other, the very next pitch, Harrison hits it in the outfield and we didn't even stand up right away. I just looked at him and I go, that's going to fall in. We got to see the end of the game. And he starts laughing and I start laughing. Like it was like a relief finish you know like even Benetti's call oh yeah was like thank god this is over like nobody felt satisfied with that win but when you bring up Josh Harrison I think his comments after the game are the most telling thing and it it, it really kind of backs up something we've talked about on the show before Tony was resting too many guys and not letting guys get going and he has done that with Harrison now where he's playing him almost every day and Josh Harrison said I can get into a flow when I'm playing every day and of course, he's playing nearly every day and you're getting very good defense and you're getting a guy in the month of June hitting 318 with an 822 OPS. 
He's having a great month right now because you allow him to play and get into the flow of the game. And the same thing's going on with A.J. Pollock. We're going to be talking about him in just a little bit here. One of the writers from Sox on 35th joining us, Brian Berry. And Brian wrote an article that is out today talking about A.J. Pollock's turnaround. But if you look at his numbers and break it down, that turnaround is pretty closely related to the fact he's playing every day. And at some point, you had to let your starters start. Like, starters should start. They should play five, six games a week at minimum. They should be in the lineup almost all the time. You look at the Yankees, you look at the Astros, you look at teams that have been good throughout the entire season. You know, one through six, one through seven, the same guys are always out there. Now, I know that we have injuries, but those teams have gotten injuries too. Overall, starters should start. And during this little run that we've had over the last couple of weeks, starters have started. And, and that's why I think that that can continue. I, I, I think that they could take three out of four from the Orioles here, and then they could run into this very difficult, I believe, road trip on the West Coast. Uh, the Sox habitually get too far away from home. Uh, they might just go three and three on this road trip, and then they have to run into twins and Indians and twins and Indians and twins and Indians, and then that's when the whole season gets decided, I think, in my mind. We're either, we either come out of that, and we're in this thing, or it's over, and we got about a week till the trade deadline, and Rick Hahn is making moves for next year. Well, as you said, like, yeah, Cleveland and, and Minnesota can bury the White Sox over this over the month of July very easily. But I, you know, I, know I just mentioned Sox on 35th.com. I wrote about this, about how the fact that this little turnaround is still, it's still guys trading off who's hot and who's not in the lineup. And the way that that gets fixed, to your point, like about the Astros, okay, injuries aside, you have the same basic lineup all the time for them. You don't have platoon players at four different positions. You don't have you know, rotating outfielders like they're doing shift changes on the blue line on the Blackhawks. You do have a fairly set lineup. And, and even thinking back to like the Aussie era, right? We'd always, you'd always have that Sunday lineup. That's when he got guys, their, their weekly rest, their mental health day, or, you know, let AJ get off his legs for, a, for an afternoon and have Chris Widger go and, and sit behind the plate. You know, you, you'd have, that, which is normal, that's part of the game, but what you wouldn't have is you wouldn't have guys hitting in different spots every day, you wouldn't have you know, three games of Laeri filling in for Tim Anderson and then two games of Danny Mendick and then back to Laeri and playing, trying to play this matchup game with like four or five spots in the lineup. If Josh Harrison's going to play every day, of course he's going to catch some timing and he's going to catch a little bit of fire. And the same thing with A.J. Pollock, who's notorious for being streaky. You know, He got really hot there. He's fallen off recently. But the only way for him to get hot again is not to have him sit on the bench. It's for him to keep facing pitchers. It's for him to keep batting and not coming off the bench. And if you want to, you know, you want to sub in Adam Hazley, like, you know, he's going up against the, the, the Orioles in game one of that series. You want to sub him in for a game here and there, that's fine. You're going to have guys sit here and there. But by and large, you pick a lineup and you stick with it. And I think that's where, you know, when Rick Hahn was mentioning before Mendick got hurt that he's going to get a lot of reps at second base, everyone kind of got excited. Not because there's a, a tremendous groundswell of free Danny and get him off the bench, but he was playing very well. And the idea that somebody who's playing very well is going to be in the lineup on a daily basis and get the opportunities was a refreshing change from why is Mendick sitting for the last two games when he's been one of their better hitters, and Larry's still struggling. This is going to be a huge 
you know, a huge stretch for the White Sox. And if they if they get cute, if Tony gets cute with the lineup too often, yeah, you're going to find them at the trade deadline looking to see who wants Josh Harrison, maybe sending Jose Abreu to a contender, and maybe we'll see you in the offseason. There's going to be a lot of guys. Johnny Cueto would be on the move, I think. As I mentioned, Tuesday night, uh, I had a good time at Cork and Carry at the park. I was there before, I was there after. There's no way that I can go down to the ballpark, Ed, and not head over to 33rd in Princeton, which is the place for your pregame, your postgame, your in-game watching if you don't have a ticket to go into the ballgame. If they're on the road, get over there. Uh, on games in which they are on the road on Mondays, there's one of those coming up this Monday, two-for-one burgers when you dine in on Mondays for non-Sox home games. Those burgers are award-winning. They have an extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wine. I have a blast every time that I'm there. I have people come and meet me there. It's a great place to meet up. You can bring the kids in there. They can take care of a big appetite, a small appetite, or just an appetite for a couple of drinks. 33rd and Princeton. Learn more and book your next party there. CorkandCarry.com. Jumping on the line with me right now, first time on the show, uh, kind of excited. Every time we get a new person from Saxon 35th who's uh, written an article, uh, they've got a ton of very talented writers over there. I like meeting them all. So, Brian Barry, how are you? Doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, I-, I was excited when I saw this article coming out the same day as this episode at Saxon35th.com about A.J. Pollock because I was a fan of that move the moment it was made. I thought that was a steal. I didn't expect the White Sox to be able to move a Craig Kimbrell and $16 million to find a partner that would provide an, a, an everyday outfielder. And even though Tony La Russa has not used him properly, at least in the early part of the year, he's now using him properly by playing him every day and not platooning him. He, he's finally figured out he can hit lefties and righties. And now playing every day, he's on fire, isn't he? And that's the crux of your article. Tell me a little bit about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and first and foremost, that trade happened on, on April 1st. We all thought it was a joke, right? <laughs> but thank God it wasn't. Uh, AJ's been, he's been red hot. I mean, look, in June, he's, he's turned a, turned a corner completely. Um, he's hitting, he's slugging almost 500 in June. He's, he's driving the ball to all parts of the field. You saw that against Houston on uh, that right center home run uh, on that Apple TV game. <laughs> Uh, you're seeing him take the ball down the left field line. He's hit numerous balls off the left field wall. He's kind of just turned a corner and really become a mainstay in the lineup. As as you mentioned, Tony's been forced by injury to put him in, but he's really been a delight to watch at the dish lately. You know, one of the more interesting things when I look at all of his splits is what happens to the team is not what happens to A.J. Pollock. And, and that was always a complaint with the White Sox. If one pitcher could come in and shut down a couple guys, the whole team would just shut down. But in wins this year, Pollock is not as good as he has been in losses. Like, here's a guy who does not go where the team goes. If you split the amount of games he was in that the White Sox won, which was 26 games so far this year, and 25 games he's played in in which they've lost because he hasn't played in every game, he's got a 779 OPS in losses and a 593 OPS in wins. He, he does not go where the team goes. He just plays his own game, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. What I mean, what you'll see with him at the dish, he's a cerebral hitter. He's going to take his take it at bats. He's going to follow off pitches. He's going to battle up there. And and what you've seen is it doesn't matter where Tony throws him in the lineup. You know, 
you've seen the the success he had at the leadoff spot when Tim was out, right? He was crushing the ball at the leadoff spot. He uh, in fifty at bats he hit. 400 at the leadoff spot. So it doesn't really matter what the flow of the game is. You know, if they're down big, if they're winning, AJ seems to have awesome at bats, you know, a lot, especially lately in June, he seems to really, uh, you know, take what's, what's given to him and he's been driving the ball all over the place. To me, this is what AJ Pollock is, right? I, I think that when he showed up on this team, uh, some fans treated him like the manager treated him. Well, you're new and I don't know if you're going to be any good. When, when he had such a great track record and now playing every day, we're seeing the results here in June, much like Josh Harrison, who all of a sudden is getting to play every day and we're seeing him start to hit the ball, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing you notice with AJ is that when he, you know, finds a matchup that he likes, you know, regardless if it's a starter or a leader, he's going to capitalize on it. I mean, you saw that stretch in June. He had a, he had a seven-game multi-hit streak in the middle of June and that came you know in Detroit in Houston I think the first end of it was at home against Texas but you know whether it's at home or away I mean he's played all over the place you know being with LA he's played in so many different parks and, and being a veteran of the game he's he's used to these these different opportunities different pitchers you know whether they're coming at him from you know sidearm whether it's a lefty or a righty you know different types of delivery styles He's he's cerebral enough to to find the spots where he can capitalize, and that's what you've been seeing, especially lately in June. So, what do you think is going to happen with him when he finally moves to right field regularly? Because you have to assume that when Jimenez comes back, you know, with with the crush of guys that can only play certain positions on this team, but are hitters in the lineup, uh, Jimenez is probably going to be out and left a good amount. And you're going to have to move Pollock over to right. It's not his natural position. He has played of all three outfield positions, right field the least. But that was the original plan. I would expect they still have to put him out there and play him every day, especially when we hopefully get all these guys back and they're healthy on this roster. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a key point. I mean, healthy is is a conundrum for this team, as we've seen, right? I feel like one guy goes up, the next guy goes down. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when uh, Eloy comes back into the lineup, what they do with the DH spot, you know, whether Pollock is is a fixture almost every day in the week in right field. I do expect that, like you said, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see if that, if anything changes in, in his game. Uh, I wouldn't expect too much to change in terms of his offensive approach, right? He's able to have a consistent, solid approach at the plate, regardless of you know, where he's hitting the lineup or where he's playing in the field. And again, they got him for mainly for his bat, right? You know, he hopefully can provide adequate to solid defense in right field. But what we're looking for out of him is what we've seen of late, and that's he's been able to uh, hammer fastballs. Uh, he's, he's got a 341 average against fastballs this year, which is super impressive. And that's what we need from him. We need that consistent, you know, kind of middle of the order production. And it's something we've been missing lately in the last few years with the right field conundrum. Brian Barry broke down AJ Pollock in great detail on this show, but a lot more in the article appearing today on SoxOn35th.com. Check it out. Uh, look at all the stats and the numbers and stuff. That, that's what I always enjoy. I like I like pouring over all the intricate details, but I appreciate you breaking it down for us a little bit here on Sox in the Basement. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Chris. Appreciate you having me. It was, it was fun. 
Our guest that we just had here on the program brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Every guest brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, and explore. I was told just recently on Southside Pod by folks over at the Village of Lamont that their fireworks show is the best in all of Chicagoland. It is the longest It is the best free show that is out there. I don't know if this is true or not, but they made some boastful claims on Southside Pod, another podcast here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. You can check that out, and you can learn about everything they're doing coming up here to the big holiday weekend at LamontDowntown.com. Do you go out and do the fireworks, Ed? Oh, yeah, yeah. the kids love the fireworks, and and who I I like the fireworks, too. I like like watching things blow up in midair. I'm not a big fireworks guy. I've noticed that as I've gotten older. Like, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a guy to sit there and goes, Ooh, look at the pretty, like, it's not my thing. You know? I mean, the kids love it. The wife loves it. It seems like everybody I know loves it. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I'm also a guy that occasionally, if you dangle your keys in my face, I'm just going to bat at them and be <laughs> perfectly content. <laughs> All right. Lennon Sosa is coming up. It really interesting moves here. Danny Mendick has a torn ACL because Hazley I, I don't know. I felt like he came out of nowhere on that play and injured Danny Mendick. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I wasn't real happy with with the way that that shook out. Yeah, I'm mad at Adam Hazley. I might be irrationally mad at him, but I'm mad at him. Like if they would have just cut him to make room for Sosa, I'd have been like, well, okay, that's fine because you hurt poor Danny Mendick, who was having like a breakout season, and now he's done. You're torn ACL. You don't come back from that, and that's what makes it weird. Not only does Mendick head to the 10 day injured list. An angle head to the 10-day injured list with a strained right hamstring. And Gavin Sheets comes back up. So watch out. Tony's going to be playing him way too much in the outfield. And this is going to screw up what we've seen work so far, which is uh, Pollock playing against both lefties and righties. I'm very concerned about Sheets coming back up because Tony has not used him correctly to the detriment of other players in the lineup. But then you also see Sosa come up and to make room on the 40-man, Aloy Jimenez goes to the 60-day IL. Now, it's retroactive. They're going to be able to pull him off it pretty quickly. He's he's already down there playing in the minors. He looks like he's going to be up sooner rather than later. He's not gone for 60 days here. But what's weird to me is with Mendick having the, the torn ACL, why wouldn't he just go on the 60-day IL? You're, you're telling me he's coming back quicker than 60 days? I, I I don't think that's medically possible. So it's such a weird move. I don't get, I'm sure there's like an explanation that I don't understand when it comes to major league baseball transactions. But like, I look at that and I go, why are we making this so complicated? Mendick to the 68, leave your men as alone. Cause he's eventually coming back. I don't know if that means he gets like a, a longer rehab assignment. Cause he's stuck on the 60 day and that's why they're doing it. And then you got Gavin sheets coming back, which just worries me because again, like I said, Sheets gets played in the outfield. He's not an outfielder. He's a defensive liability. And then he gets put in the middle of the order because of his left-handedness over guys that hit better against right-handed pitchers because Tony is a slave to handedness. And, and that bothers me because my team's been on a run lately, and now I see a crutch coming back onto the roster. And that's not Sheets' fault. That's LaRusse's fault. But it still concerns me. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Aloy stuff is is... You, you referenced it in there, and, the, and then what they're doing is the reason why they have to move him to the 60 days because he was already on a rehab assignment, and you only get a certain amount of time on rehab assignments before you have to be recalled. So, and I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, nor do I have in front of me when he started and, and all that stuff, but remember they pulled him back from his rehab assignment. Things were still sore. He wasn't recovering as quickly as he would have liked. So I think moving him to the 60 days just to buy him more time 
with them not having to necessarily make an, an additional roster move with him. And then when he's ready to come up, you'll just put Danny Mendick on the 60 days. So I, I think that move, there's some semblance of sense behind it. They're just not spelling it out for us, which would be nice. I mean, I, it's not a big secret. Aloy's hurt. I don't know what, what they're protecting. They, you know, they're acting kind of like uh, Bill Belichick does with Patriot stuff where, you know, he's got a nondescript injury that may or may not, he may or may not play. The I think Adam Engel going on the injured list with that hamstring as opposed to him like just riding the pine and, and trying to rest it, that's going to hurt the team more than anything else because who else are they going to call up? Sheets is the only guy down there that they can really recall and you can't call up a pitcher because you have the 13-pitcher limit so they can't replace him with an extra arm or something, which I think they would have done earlier in the year. You know, now you have Sosa coming up, which the good news there is, is that I think we're going to get a lot of Lennon Sosa playing every day to see what he is. And based on what he's been doing in the minors, he is somebody that could be extraordinarily exciting and a huge shot in the arm for this team. Yeah. Well, my biggest fear is now with Hazley and Sheets in the uh, on the roster oh, God. that we're going to see Hazley these and re- Sheets in the same lineup is going to be death. When it, when it happens, you have a right to scream. Directly at the whatever place that you saw the lineup. If you're looking at it on your computer screen, scream at your computer screen because it, it will make no sense. But I, you can almost guarantee it. In fact, if it doesn't happen, then I am completely convinced that Tony does not have control of his lineup anymore because it's a total Tony move now at this point to say, oh my God, look at all these lefties I could stick in this lineup. And, and you get some weird ass Tony lineup. And instead of taking three out of four from the Orioles, you split or worse. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. We have a segment that we want to add in here to the show. You came up with a name for it. I wanted to talk a little bit about the minor leagues, and it's perfect now with Lennon Sosa coming up, and we, we've talked extensively about him over the last couple of weeks, so if you listen to this show regularly, you've heard us talk about Lennon Sosa, and you're looking forward to seeing this kid, and hopefully he's playing and not sitting on the bench watching other guys play. I would expect he should be playing every day, and he should be playing at second base, and Harrison should move over to third during uh, Moncada's injury, and then after that, you got a lot of things you have to figure out, but... We want to talk a little bit every week, just get a quick farm report here on Socks in the Basement, and Ed named it. Do you remember the name that you gave me, Ed? Oh, there were so many, but I think we settled on, on a farm theme, Corn in the Basement. Corn in the Basement. Let's go down on the farm. Corn in the basement. 
our look at the minor leagues and helping us out from Sox on 35th, Michael Suero on the line. Michael, uh, first try at this. Let's see how it goes. Go ahead, my friend. What's going on down on the farm, corn in the basement? All right, Chris. Well, everyone knows about the news with Lenny and Sosa by now. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk about another prospect that's making his way up the uh, minor leagues. His name is Christian Mina. He is a right-handed pitcher, 19 years old, just got called up to high A Winston-Salem. On the year so far, when he was in low A Canapolis, striking out over 11 batters per nine innings, pitching to a 2.68 ERA, got a low to mid-90s fastball, a heavy curveball. We talk about some of the hitters that have risen up the rankings this year, like Lenny Sosa and Brian Ramos, but this is a kid that hasn't been talked about nearly enough. He might even be the best pitching prospect in our farm system. His future looks bright right now. One more guy that I want to hit on real quick. Everyone knows Colson Montgomery, our top prospect. He is currently on a 31-game on-base streak. He's been better than advertised since we drafted him last year. All he's done is hit over 300, be an extra base hit machine, draw a ton of walks, limited strikeouts, and play competent shortstop. So he has been an absolute home run as a first-round pick. Don't be surprised if his name gets uh, mentioned soon as a as a call up to high Winston-Salem as well. I go back to conversations we've had with you, with uh, previous guest James Fox. Uh, We've had a few people that have come on the show over the last couple of weeks who have talked about this kid. And the idea, the impression that I got was that he was a long-term call-up. If you brought him up and you skipped AAA, you are going to leave him up here for a while. Like this is this is the future. You believe he should be starting every day. So, are the White Sox doing the right thing, bringing him up? What should we expect over the next couple of weeks with him? Well, I mean, it remains to be seen. Um, I, I'm under the same impression that if this is who you're calling up, it is for the long term. Uh, they did have Gilbert Sanchez sitting in AAA. Who, if you're looking for more of a short-term depth piece, he made a lot more sense. So I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, this this is a long-term move. He's kind of earned it, and he's been tearing it up in AA this year. He's got 14 home runs in, what, 290 plate appearances? I mean, his power surge this year has been unreal, especially considering the fact that the AA league that he's playing in is notoriously pitcher-friendly. So it's great to see that power surge out of him. He doesn't strike out a lot, only striking out about 14% of his at-bats. And his walk rate is, it might be a career high, it's about 7.3%. So it's a, he's walking a solid amount as well. I'm real excited to see what he can provide us uh, down the road here. All right, Michael Suero, you can read him and others over at Saxon 35th, covering not only the majors, but the minors with regular reports on what's going on down on the farm. Thank you so much for some corn in the basement. I love that name. So, Lennon Sosa, up. Yes. He's got to play every day. And, and, and that's the thing. The, the idea that they brought him up, that's what we've been told now by multiple people that have come on this show. He's a guy that when he gets elevated, especially skipping AAA, he's a guy that should be up playing every day and is a long-term answer at second base. And that makes a very, very interesting logjam even more interesting when Mankata comes back. Because once Yuan Mankata rejoins the team... Now you've got Harrison, who again, after being hot in June, wouldn't have a place to play unless you sat down this kid and st- and you know you know made an issue of his development, right? 
or, or you're going to send him back down, which wouldn't make very much sense. Why would you have him skip a level, okay, instead of grabbing Yolbert Sanchez at the AAA level? So it, it becomes really interesting what's going to happen here in about a week or so when Moncada gets back and how the lineup is going to look this week, the week after, the week after that. Plus, I remember being told multiple times by multiple guests then Lennon Sosa is a guy that when he gets to every level, and you can look at this on the back of his baseball card with his minor league stats, struggles for the first couple of weeks at every level that he goes to. And you actually need somebody who's ready to hit right now. So I, I, I'm i excited for the kid. And I know that long-term it's probably a great move, but there are things about it that perplex me, Ed. We're talking about what happens to Josh Harrison, and, I, and I'm thinking that there's a portion of this move that is a notice to Harrison that you are you are being showcased as trade bait and or at some point and at some level you are going to not be an everyday player, which, to be fair for Harrison, has been kind of his role uh, and the anticipated role the past couple of seasons for him. The ability for Sosa to come in and hit right away, you know, you you wonder if what they're looking at is something that he's doing right now in Birmingham or some approach that he has that they feel like he has made it so that he is a little bit more bulletproof from having that kind of a slow start because he is right now just absolutely having the best run of his minor league career by far. So what he's doing right now, there may, maybe there's an approach or something that that I'm not aware of, you're not aware of, but there's something about where his game is at that they feel like he's got the ability to come up and adapt that much quicker. And it could also be that there's something that he is doing that they feel like with veteran presence around him and hitting ninth in the order and with no pressure to do anything other than to be himself that they feel like maybe he's got a chance to succeed. The other thing, too, is, is that is this could just be Danny Mendick was going to get the showcase and get his opportunity here over the next you know, call it month. And now they're giving Sosa the opportunity. So even if he struggles for a couple of weeks there, you know, the, the marching orders for Tony are still going to be plug the kid in, keep plugging the kid in. And, and when Moncada comes back, keep plugging the kid in and Josh Harrison's a veteran. He's going to have to learn to sit down or they're going to evaluate where Jake Berger's at at that point. And if he has, cause he's been a little colder lately and his glove work has not been stellar. Uh, you know, maybe it's something where they're looking at that going, Jake's got an opportunity to hit his way and keep his way on the team. But right now, if they had to make a move, it might be Mankata comes back and, and Jake goes back down to AAA. Yeah, well, he didn't even end up starting the first game of the series against Baltimore his first day in the majors. He came all the way up here so we could watch everybody else play. And hopefully that's Tony LaRussa and some weird unwritten rule like rookies from double A don't start their first game in the majors because they got to earn it. I don't know. Because if you brought this kid up here, you should be playing him. Between that and the left-handed hitters that are all of a sudden all over this bench, okay? You have too many lefties that you've given Tony LaRussa. He has too many lefties. He has too many bad left-handed hitters too. Too many bad left-handed hitters are sitting on this roster at this very moment. Please, Lord above. Tell me that Tony does not have full control of the lineup. We're going to find out in the next couple of days. Yeah, and we will know right away when we see that Adam Hazley in left, Luis Robert in center, Gavin Sheets in right. Exactly. You just described my nightmare. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks.
Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.